Welcome to the latest episode of Balls, Bats and Putts podcast. I'm your host Stephen Edwards and tonight I'm delighted to be joined by CBS sports writer Cody Benjamin. Cody, thanks so much for joining me again. How's it going? Great, great. Thanks for having me on again. I'm excited we haven't talked hockey for a couple of weeks, so it seems like it's been a while. It has been a while and you know just before we get into tonight's episode because I'm sure people are wondering they haven't had not only NHL chat they haven't had much else of anything else um, and for anyone that hasn't been aware I've I fractured my wrist a while ago and I've just um, had some reconstructive wrist surgery so I've been kind of uh, recuperating and rehabbing and I actually look like I've actually been in in some kind of fight on the ice, but fear not, I I can't skate for a start, so I haven't exactly done that, but I I will be rehabbing over over a period of time. Yeah, I I was actually going to say, I mean, you know, I've seen a couple of the pictures you posted and stuff, but I mean, I would say you probably won the fight, though. I mean, you came out bruised, but... I would think you've won the fight. I mean, I know you're a tough fighter, probably. <laughs> well, I'd like to think so. I tell you what the funny thing is about the um, the fact that I've got this cast on is I, I own so many hockey jerseys, and my wife will, will say number of things about that. But at the moment, because of the roughness of the cast, I haven't been able to wear a jersey yet, and I kind of feel almost naked without it because when it's hockey season, it's it's a little bit colder. I like to get a jersey on. I like there to be able to uh, root for my team and... I haven't been able to do that. And maybe it's me not wearing a jersey that's actually made them reasonably successful so far. Yeah, well, you know, it, it comes with the season, like you said. I mean, it, it go, it's not like, you know, basketball. You know, you get the shorts, obviously, the, the cut-off sleeves. They're the, you know, the hockey's it's the sweater. I mean, yeah. you get the whole thing, so it goes right with the season. I mean, I'm just glad to know that you're doing well and we're able to get back talking hockey again. So let's get started with tonight's episode. The NHL season is now underway. I mean, we had Cody on the show before. We did some really great previews and we gave our thoughts on how the NHL season might turn out. And the early indications are we were right about some things and we were really wrong about certain things. And I think that's where we should start. We have to start in Vegas. And for me, one word is, wow what's happening with Vegas because this team is not only playing very very well but it's overcoming some real goaltending issues yeah I think that that's spot on there the goaltending issues I mean I think what we talked about mostly and rightfully so with Vegas entering the season was Marc-Andre Fleury I mean the big name they added he was basically the face of the franchise because the franchise hadn't really existed before this year and so um, for him to go down I think it was a big I guess a big blow there. And then you bring in Malcolm Subban, who is relatively unproven as an NHL goalie. And then he goes down and yet Vegas is sitting, you know, probably, you know, one of the top three, four teams, at least as far as the standings go right now. And so they've found ways to win um, no matter who's in the net. And, you know, some of it goes towards James Neal, just, just kind of lighting it up a lot offensively. Um, They've also had, you know, most of their games have been at home so far. I think that helps with that atmosphere, but Overall, I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better start. I think we would have been happy, at least just from an outside perspective, seeing Vegas just be competitive. But they've they've not only been competitive, they've been dominant. And so a uh, big, you know, cheers coming out of Vegas and, and props to them. Yeah, I think for me, whenever I, I think of expansion franchises, I mean, I, th- I think of like the, the good and the bad almost because like the Florida Panthers, they went to a Stanley Cup finals quite early on in their existence, but they... 
they built a system very much around the defensive side of hockey and they had Van Beesbrook in there who was a tremendous netminder for them. But then you have the worst of it. I mean, the Sharks were dreadful when they first came as an expansion team. The Ottawa Senators were dreadful as well. So you kind of don't know where it's going to go. I know that things were set up way more favorably for Vegas than previous expansion teams. And they've got a very bright outlook going forward. But I think this poses like an interesting question now, which I've seen posed in various places. Is that do they, does this team now go forward and obviously try and be reasonably successful this season? Because... I don't think we can expect them to be in the top five franchises come the playoffs, but you know you could potentially have a playoff team here, and does that affect things going forward? Because as we talk around the fact, you know, teams making these decisions around the deadline, could they mortgage some of their future to try and make a decision that could come back to bite them in the ass? It's really it's an interesting question. I think it's hard to still answer that, even just being ten, eleven games into the season, because. You know, you look at a team in, in their division, the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, they're well below 500, and yet, you know, coming into the season, we were talking about how Edmonton was probably a clear-cut favorite to compete for the Cup. And so I, I don't know, especially because Vegas, you know, some people will say they haven't been tested so much. I mean, they beat the Blackhawks. I think they've they've shown that they can be certainly competitive, and I guess it's just hard to tell through, you know, they've played nine games so far. And so... You know, five straight wins, a lot of reasons to be hopeful, but I think we're still going to have to inch closer, and that's why the deadline isn't immediately right now. So they still got time to decide that. I think that they collected enough um, draft picks over the course of this offseason that they'd be able to mortgage some of them and get some some picks. So I think either way, Vegas is sitting in a pretty good spot whether they want to compete now or later. And I think I've actually got used to seeing their their uniforms now. I, I didn't particularly like them originally, but they're actually um, not so bad now. No, I, I yeah, I think we had a brief discussion about this too, and I, I think I like their you know I, li- I like their home and road jerseys equally. I think, but you know, they fit right in, and especially they fit in better when they're winning. Um, <laughs> you know, if, if this if this team was was horrible right now, you know, zero and ten, I think. You know, everyone's going to find something to, to hate about the jerseys, but I think they, they're looking pretty good now. Well, let's move away from Vegas and let's look at another team that's off to a really hot start so far and a team that we did think would be uh, one of the teams to look out for as the season went on, and that's the Tampa Bay Lightning. They've got off to a very, very good start, and that's been led by Kishoff and Stamkos. Yeah, I think, I mean, those are the two keys, and they're obvious keys because um, just over the weekend, their their streak ended, but they had gone at least, I believe, 11 games um, where Stamkos and Kucherov had at least one point. And, I mean, these guys were, you know, if, if one of them scored a goal, the other one had a couple of assists. If the other one scored a goal, the other one had a couple of assists. I mean, they were just driving this, this team. And right now, you know, they're sitting pretty comfortably um, atop the Atlantic Division. And, and Ottawa, you know, they're, they're right there as well, but um, with the Canadians, just, you know, very rough start. Um, obviously, the Sabres are way down there as well. I mean, Tampa Bay is is right now probably the, the safest pick out of the whole Eastern Conference. I mean, the Penguins struggling, and um, it, it all comes down to the, you know, getting Stamkos back was a, we knew that would be big, a big yeah. factor for them, but they've delivered. And so those big names are, are delivering, you know, what they need to do. And Tampa Bay looks like a, a real contender right now. Yeah, and I think we always talk around the fact of that our team's actually built to win a cup. I mean, we used to say that about Anaheim for many, many years, and I think you can say that about Tampa Bay, is that this team is built for the long haul. They're not just built to be successful in the regular season. This is going to be a very, very tough out come playoff time. 
Yeah, and, and I think we talked about it maybe the previews entering the season that, you know, even without Stamkos last year, they, they flashed a lot offensively. Yeah. And so to get him back healthy, you already had a team that was on the verge of, of making a, you know, if they got into the playoffs last year, it was going to be, they were coming in hot. And so I think it's going to be even better this year for them, and especially the way that their division is shaping up. So certainly I think if you had Tampa Bay pegged as a, as a contender this year, uh, you picked the right year to do it. No, absolutely. And you've just touched on the Pens there. I mean, one of the things I've noticed about the Penguins is that someone raised this earlier on today is that they're really struggling in the second half of a back-to-back. They've lost all four of those games. They've been outscored 29-7 to in those games. There's some real problems there. What is going on in those particular games? Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. I was actually just at um, the Minnesota Wild game against the Penguins the other night, and that one they only lost 2-1. to And so that compared to some of the embarrassing losses they've had this year. I mean, they've had two 7-1 to losses. They had that, that big 10-1 to loss to Chicago. I mean, you just don't see that, even, you know, especially from the, the defending Stanley Cup champions. And so a lot of it um, before they put Antti Niemi on waivers was him in the net. You know, they, if Matt Murray wasn't in, in goal, uh, they were having problems giving up tons of goals. But Matt Murray was in the net when they just lost 7-1. to yeah. um, So I think it's a combination of, you know, before there was pressure on Matt Murray, we talked about coming into the season without Flurry there. Um, we know Matt Murray has handled pressure in the playoffs, but being that number one goalie, there's a lot of pressure there. And now, even more so, I think the Penguins do not have a number two goalie right now. And then outside of that, I think it, it, it also is a factor that they're still transitioning a lot of this depth. I mean, we talked about all the guys they lost over the offseason. And then Another problem is, you know, you have guys like Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, but um, beyond that line, they're not doing as much as they need to. And so it's kind of a, a flurry of factors here, and no pun intended, you know, with Mark <laughs> Andre Flurry, but it, it really is kind of a – and the record isn't horrible right now. I mean, it's 7-5-1, and five and one, but their goal differential, it doesn't make sense. I mean, it's in minus 14 right now, and they're sitting second in the Metro division. So – a lot of things to be fixed up, and I think they will get fixed up as the season goes on, but they need to find some goalie help behind Matt Murray. Yeah, I mean, no team has actually conceded more goals than them right now. They've conceded 50 goals, which is that they can't keep at that pace. We don't expect them to keep at that pace. I mean, I think that was one of my big question marks coming into season is that how Matt Murray would handle being the absolute number one there because obviously it was always him and Fleury. You know, they, they did interchange them at times. One was successful on one particular playoff run. You know, the other guy was very successful on another playoff run. And I'm just wondering whether now it isn't as secure as it was because there is no fallback option, as you say right now, with no real backup there, if Murray does not perform. Yeah, it's a big question. Obviously, you know, you're not getting Flurry back. And it's uh, that's one of the things where maybe you look at that at the deadline. And as far as, you know, Pittsburgh has been pretty patient as far as, you know, they waited a while to kind of fill that third uh, third line center role. Um, and they, they've waited a lot, you know, to let this kind of transition of depth players um, unfold. And so I don't know that they're going to be in a rush. I mean, because they know the talent they have outside of that. But it is a valid question. I mean, even when Matt Murray is in goal, um, it's a question of, you know, is he facing too much pressure here? And it kind of raises an interesting question, probably a debate or a discussion to be had at another time about how important really is it for you to have two quality, you know, starting goaltenders? 
I think that's an interesting one because I mean I look at the uh, star situation I think it was like last season where or the season before where they had like two guys who were potentially number one and it's then trying to play them enough so they can stay within a rhythm whereas I think a lot of teams have always gone down the route of like okay well we've got our number one guy and then the other guy is going to play like the, like the back half of the back-to-backs or or whatever just give our number one guy a rest and I think that's the way that I've always gone down I'd always want my number one to kind of play those 60, 65 games and kind of be there so that when he comes playoff to playoffs, he is then ready to go. But again, it's a very, very difficult decision to make. And, you know, different coaches have different philosophies on that one. But um, certainly we'll see how the pens go as the season progresses. I don't think it's necessarily a difficult division for them, which I think is going to work in their favour. And staying within this division, you've got to look at the Rangers and I think this is a team that's real problems right now. And I think their coach could very well be gone very, very soon. Yeah, some Rangers fans, I feel like, you know, it's kind of a split opinion on, on whether it's coaching or whether, you know, what's going on, what's the real problem there. I, I think you have a, it's fair to, to wonder if he's going to be there. And I think, you know, part of it is you, you, you throw some money and not a ridiculous amount of money at Kevin Shattenkirk. And I think that was a well regarded move on most for most people um but the defense just came out you know out of the gate just looked disorganized this year and I mean we've talked over and over again about Henrik Lundqvist and how much you can rely on him at at his age um but we've seen from moments where Lundqvist has just been out of position or maybe it's because of the disorganization on the defense and then you go back to you know offensively they, they went into this year kind of with a question mark at center um, after trading Derek Stepan. So I, I think that they kind of set themselves up for this. And whether it's coaching or just execution, I think you, you could probably blame it on both sides. But either way, you know, certainly doesn't look good. You know, the Canadians and Rangers just coming off a game against each other. Any normal year, that's a pretty exciting regular yeah. season matchup, no matter what time of the year it is. And right now, between the Canadians and Rangers, that's like, you know, cellar dwellers of the NHL. So it's, uh, it's an unfortunate situation in New York. I think when I look around at various different sites and everything else, I actually try and gauge what fans are talking about and where their main issues are. Rangers fans, I always find quite an interesting bunch. That a lot of them do have higher expectations for their team maybe than maybe they should. Because, I mean, we did see some issues for the Rangers going into this season. But I still think there's a lot of Rangers fans out there that still think they can lean on Lundqvist and still be able to go very, very deep in the playoffs. But I just don't see it. Yeah, and maybe it's a shame because, you know, Lundqvist is such a household name in the NHL, but I, I completely agree. I mean, I think coming into this year, interestingly enough, you know, just mentioning the Canadians too, I think Montreal and New York kind of came into this year almost, you know, and I don't know if it's hit or miss, but kind of we weren't sure if they were really going to take that step forward or not or, or just fall completely back. And we've seen from both these teams, you know, Montreal and the Rangers, both, you know, at the bottom of their divisions. And I don't know that we expected it to be that drastic, but yeah, even if the Rangers right the ship, I mean, they're going to need to add something offensively and maybe even defensively to help Lundqvist um, come playoff time. I don't know. You know, even if you put the Devils against the Rangers right now, I'd take the Devils. I mean, I like their youth and their offensive ability um, to win in a series against the Rangers right now if you're talking playoffs. Yeah, I do. I think the Devils are, are really exciting. I mean, you can see the, the way that they've started the season. You know, there's a certainly having a lot of fun out there. And I think the Rangers right now would not be able to compete with the Devils. And that's an interesting one, which you wouldn't have said said a little while ago. 
Staying in New York for just a second, you know, again, t- touch on the Tavares contract situation. That's a story that we didn't think would go away, and it's still not going away. There's still a lot of issues here, and I really don't know what the Islanders are thinking here because I think you've got to kind of make up your mind. Maybe they are behind the scenes, but at the moment, I, I can just see this dragging and dragging and dragging and dragging. Yeah, well, I mean, if anyone has the leverage after this week, it's got to be John Tavares. I mean, two hat-tricks in three games, I think he's he's lighting it up, and he's showing that maybe this isn't a distraction for him. But at some point, you know, like you said, it, it's got to be a distraction for New York because you've got this guy, um, you know, playing at a high level, as he usually does, and, and still no contract for next year. And um, it, it certainly will be interesting, and I don't know if his performance right now is, is kind of boosting his trade value um, and, and ultimately hurting New York even more, um, or if it's going to just give New York a wake-up call to say, hey, we realize what we have in John Tavares and we need to keep him locked up. Because right now, I mean, the Islanders, definitely, definitely a boost over the last you know week or two because of their play, and a lot of it's been because of John Tavares. So one way or another, they got to get it solved or, or they got to get something big in return for him. Yeah, and I think so. I mean, again, you start looking at potential suitors for um, Tavares and, you know, teams that maybe want that boost. I mean, could we potentially maybe looking at maybe like the Canadians or someone like that, maybe making that move and saying, you know, we've, we've got issues. Let's start, you know, let's make this big move and bring in a guy like a Tavares. Yeah, it would certainly be uh, maybe the the spice that Montreal needs. One of the interesting teams that I saw before the season, and this was before we knew how anything would shake out, um, was Tampa Bay. Mm. Um, Because, first of all, you get that kind of the tax um, benefits in Florida, and then you also get, you know, Tampa Bay's uh, administration, their their management has has done a great job of, of just locking guys up. And so a very interesting connection there between, um, Tampa Bay and Tavares before the season. I can't even imagine John Tavares on the same team that with, you know, the way Steven Stamkos and, and Kutral are playing. But um, certainly a team like Montreal or, or maybe just one of those that, def- that you know, desperately needs a boost um, midseason could, could certainly be on the table. I don't think the Eastern and anyone else in Eastern Conference wants to see Tavares go and play in Tampa Bay. To be honest, I think they 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 would want to do all they could to ensure that that one doesn't happen because I think that makes them incredibly lethal. But it's going to be interesting how this you know shakes out over the course of the season because it's not going to go away until either that contract signed or Tavares is actually moved. Something else I wanted to, to, to talk to you about, and it's a, again, it's an increasing worrying situation. I think, unfortunately, that's the theme of kind of like this week's podcast is the fact that, you know, what is happening in Carolina, people aren't going to games. I, I seem to kind of almost laugh a little inside when I see people trying to move their tickets because they can't apparently go to the game. I'm like, well, there's already a ton of empty seats anyway. I don't actually think you're going to be able to move your seats. Um, and of course, it's a potential sale of the team, and also the future. And the, what exactly is the future of this franchise? Is it even in Carolina? Yeah, it's a, it's a valid question. I think we had a couple different teams and cities um, in discussions, I guess, over the off season. As far as you know, is Arizona going to stay there long term? And then with the potential sale for sale of Carolina, and I think that the interesting thing to tie into this is maybe Houston as a future NHL destination, yep. and you know. Houston has been talked up, you know, with the sale of the Rockets and the arena availability there. I think the talk there has been, you know, they want uh, a team there at some point. And, and Gary Bettman has kind of 
kind of shrugged it off a little bit, but I think, you know, there was some reports out of Sportsnet too that, you know, there's no way Gary Bettman isn't considering this um, for the future. And so, you know, I would agree. And, and who knows if the hurricanes are a, uh, you know, a possibility there, but it, certainly when you have talk about um, a sale or an ownership change, you know, whenever that comes up and your attendance isn't the best, then your team um, isn't necessarily the best. I mean, there's always going to be speculation there. And, you know, who knows, you know, down the road, Houston hurricanes that flows together pretty nicely. <laughs> yeah. You, I, got, the, you got the alliteration there at least. Yeah, I see. It could be really, really interesting. I mean, I, I suppose for me, I kind you know, we've, when we've looked at um, potential spots for NHL teams, I know there's always been the talk around, you know, Seattle, obviously, uh, again, Quebec is another one. But Houston is a very, very viable option, um, it seems, for the NHL. And I think that's going to be really, really interesting what happens there how this is going to eventually shake out over the course of over the course of the next few years but i would really like to see an nhl team in houston because at the moment you only have dallas in texas and i think that could again become a very very interesting rivalry they already have the rivalry in the nba and if you had that on on the ice as well i think that could be really really interesting yeah and i think that there'll be you know quebec was kind of uh quebec city still in the mix of seattle um, you know, so it'll be interesting to see as far as that next wave goes. But obviously, I think that ultimately the NHL's goal is to kind of even it out. I mean, with Vegas coming in, you know, now we obviously have the uneven number of teams. And so to balance that out, I, I certainly think um, down the road somebody's going to come in. And you could look at it two ways. I mean, some people would say, well, Vegas is doing so well, we should just focus on them as an expansion team. And, and that's, you know, that, that's a fair point. But on the other side of it, I'd say, well, look how successful Vegas is right now. I mean, yeah. imagine if we get one in while the iron is hot. And so, you know, whether it's Houston, Seattle, Quebec, you know, I think that another one's on the way at some point. It's just a matter of who gets it. Okay, well, let me upset a few people here then. We'll, we'll just sort this out. So we'll take franchises away from Carolina and Arizona, and we'll put franchises in Quebec, Seattle, and Houston, one of those being an expansion team. Problem there solved. I mean... <laughs> I'm not, you know, the Coyotes with the way they're playing right now, I'm not sure, you know, anyone in Arizona wants them there right now anyway. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. And the Coyotes, you know, ownership there this this past offseason, they were preaching how, you know, they want to be there for the long haul. But we'll see how that holds up. In talking about of the Coyotes, obviously, they're the only team at the moment that hasn't won a game. I mean, they, again, they're off to an absolutely dismal start. And we're beginning to wonder when their first victory is going to be. Yeah, and it's almost, you know, I don't know if you want to compare them to the avalanche of last year. I mean, they're off to even worse. I mean, this this is a historic, you know, bad start. You know, we look yeah. at Vegas, and they're just off to the races. You know, Arizona's the opposite. And I think they were one of those kind of boomer bust teams for sure, um, especially in the sense that they went out, and you thought maybe it'd be a rebuilding offseason, but they went out and they acquired, you know, veteran players. Derek Stefan was one of them, um, Auntie Ranta, but, uh, you know, it, nothing has worked and their goal differential by far the worst in the league. You know, they're sitting at a minus 22 right now, you know, 11 game losing streak. And last year, you know, they weren't, they weren't that much better than the avalanche as far as, you know, I think it was on the road or at home. One of their records was just horrendous. And so, you know, they thought maybe bringing in Phil Tockett from Pittsburgh um, would, 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 you know, switch gears here, especially with their veteran pickups. But, it has not worked, and, and it's certainly going to raise questions again, just like we were talking about. What's yeah. the future of this team um, in this city? 
No, it, it is an interesting one. Again, that's something else that will be answered, not necessarily this season, but over the, over the next few years. Something that annoyed me um, since the start of the season, and it's something that the NBA does very, very well, where it has the marquee matchups on the national te- on national television. Now we've just had yeah. a game between the Penguins and the Oilers, and that game was not on national TV. Now I know you have NHL TV that you can watch any game on the app, and that's absolutely fine. But instead, Detroit against Buffalo was shown. Now it that is ridiculous on so many levels when you're trying to entice new fans into the sport yeah you'll get the existing fans because they yeah they will subscribe to nhl tv but you're not going to get any new fans in and when you think about you know the passing of the torch as we called it when we talk about some of our stanley cup final predictions pittsburgh and edmonton has to be on national television yeah no i mean it was i i kind of laughed when you said detroit and buffalo and not intentionally and it's yeah, I, that's the first game that came to mind, Edmonton and Pittsburgh. And you got Sidney Crosby. I mean, everyone, if you're a hockey fan or not, you're going to get people to tune in if they're scrolling through the channels and they see the Penguins, Sidney Crosby, whatever. And then you, Connor McDavid is your most marketable young star right now. He's the future of the league. And so it, it's just so obvious. So, you know, it, it's almost too good to be true. Um, and so I think something that you're seeing potentially with NBC is with this whole Olympics ordeal that they went through. Yeah. Um, with them, with the NHL obviously not allowing players to go to the Olympics, you had kind of a this unofficial um, fight between, you know, because NBC is going to be hosting some of that. And so now there were reports before the season started that they might not, you know, they were pulling the plug on some of these primetime games. And I, so I don't know if that plays into it at all. And I don't know if you want to blame that completely on the TV, but in some sense, I think this is, you're right, this is an NHL problem. I mean, they need to, and it, the people who have NHL TV are the same people that have been watching hockey for years. Um, so I don't, it's the national audience that needs to see these these teams, and they're not giving it to them. No, I mean, you see, I mean, for me, it's a game that you should be able to sell to literally just about anyone. Um, it is the, the, the big names in the sport. And it, I say for me, when I, I think about it, kind of, it, have the equivalent to the NBA, it'll be like the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers not being on national television. That's that's the kind of level we're at. And I think, that, as I say, for me, that is absolutely ridiculous. You've got you know the best team now, the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions against the Knickers and the Block. And not only that, I mean, Edmonton Oilers is a storied franchise when you go back to the days of Gretzky and all of those players are here playing with him. You've got the Penguins, you know, with their storied history of Lemieux and Yaga. So again, it, there's so many storylines with this particular rivalry that you could build up. I mean, kind of like the Penguins-Capitals rivalry is kind of almost passes by, unfortunately. But now you've got this yeah. you know, rivalry that could be huge. This has got to be on television for everyone to watch it. Yeah, and this uh, this would fall to the NHL. I actually I just looked up um, the report. It came out at the end of September. This was from the New York Post that you know when the NHL announces their regular season broadcast schedule in July, it usually includes um, a big slate of games that they're not national broadcasts or, or they're not mm-hmm. supposed to be on NBC, but eventually they will be added. And so the report at the end of September was that there was a big stretch of games between pretty much the whole month of February, um, where NBC decided they're basically going to go dark. 
yeah. um, as far as they're not going to show any of those NHL games. And that's uh, some people think it's kind of in response to them not going to the Olympics. But either way, right now, this is in the NHL's control, and they're not they're not marketing it. I mean, they'll hype up their, their games in China, but if people aren't seeing McDavid and Crosby on national TV, I mean, they're not going to be watching no, this is it. And do you think maybe that the NHL maybe should have had some uh, foresight and had maybe that stretch of games over the Olympics as maybe not some of the big marquee matchups during that period anyway? I mean, I haven't looked at the schedule to see which games are actually in that, but I, I can almost guarantee there's probably at least one or two in there that um, you would think, yeah, I would have wanted to watch that on national TV. Yeah, that I'm not so sure if you can pick out. I mean, because obviously they're going to have the schedule, you know, tons of discussions way before the schedule comes out are probably happening, especially when, you know, the Olympics are coming around. But, you know, if the NHL was so dead set on not sending players to the Olympics like they were, mm. um, then you'd think that that would go into into the discussions as well, you know. But obviously if, if we're sitting here early in the season when you know Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby and, and the Oilers and the Penguins are healthy – if we're sitting here now and they're not putting that on a national broadcast, I don't know that I'd expect them to do anything similar, you know, when the Olympics are on. I, I don't know that their their mindset is on getting that out to a national audience or prioritizing that. I think they're kind of relying on that that base that's already been watching hockey. No, and I think, I mean, just touching one final point on this subject, it's not a secret that NBC has the coverage of the Olympics in the United States, you know, they, they, they sign up for these things way in advance. They pay a hell of a lot of money. Therefore, the money is in that. Obviously, part of that would have always been around the NHL players being a part of the Olympics. Obviously, that unfortunately isn't happening this time around. So, again, this, it, this is almost like a bit of a PR nightmare for the NHL. And unfortunately, it does happen at times. And I think this is where you can, you know, you look at the NHL and kind of say, well, you're not growing because of X, Y, Z. And it's just little things like this is a reason because of that. Yeah, and talk about little things. Well, there's no bigger thing than the Olympics. And the NHL, whether it's right or not, will talk up, you know, going to China for the preseason games and how they, they see a future there. But, I mean, that's that's great. And I'm sure that they've got an audience there that wants to, to see hockey. But if you're going to talk that up, it doesn't look the best, you know, after you've just got done repeatedly you know, refusing to let players go to the Olympics where you're going to have a bigger stage than any game during that stretch of uh, of the Olympics. So I think it's just, you're right. I mean, a, a bunch of the little things add up and it seems like the NHL, this is just kind of a year after year, you know, out of all sports leagues, the NHL's problem, it's always, you know, how are you expanding the fan base and how are you catering to the fan base? And, you know, the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, you know, None of them do a perfect job of doing that. I mean, you could go to baseball and talk about how the World Series, you know, great World Series, but some of the younger fans still don't want to watch a three- yeah. or four-hour baseball game. But still, the NHL repeatedly is just under target or under attack for expanding the base, which they have yet to do. One final thing just before I um, let yourself go, Cody, is tonight is a battle of divisional leaders. The Kings are playing at the Blues. I just want to ask you, first of all, which one of these two teams has surprised you the most so far and who wins this early season matchup? Um, as far as which one's surprising, I'd say without question it's the Kings. I mean, we both talked before the season, and I think that I don't know what your uh, solid feelings were on Los Angeles, but I definitely didn't see them at the top of the Pacific now or any time during the season but Jonathan Quick 
has kind of just come back to life. And, yeah. and the Kings are, you know, the best defensive team in the game right now. Mm-hmm. So they definitely are, are the more surprising team to me. Even though St. Louis has, has a history of kind of those postseason letdowns, I definitely didn't anticipate Los Angeles starting this hot. It's going to be a tough one. And I think I'll go with the Kings tonight just because they've been able to kind of silence other teams' offense. And they're both on three-game winning streaks, so I certainly – could see it going either way, but the Kings have been surprising, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them go to win number ten tonight. Yeah, I mean, going back to the the, the previews, like my thought was exactly the same as you. I felt that you know the Kings were kind of on the downward spiral somewhat, and I got it in the neck from a few Kings fans over some of my comments around them on the on the previews, and um, and I'm still hearing it now because. But Jonathan Quick has been superb so far, and they're playing really really good hockey. I don't know how much longer it's going to last but it's an interesting ride that they're on the Blues are also playing incredibly well that's the reason why they're winning that very very tough division I'm also taking the Kings to win this one tonight and it's actually quite nice that the World Series isn't on tonight so I haven't got split screens here there and everywhere trying to watch whatever games I want to watch and decided which one to have the sound up on but I think it's gonna be a really really good game tonight and I think the Kings will ultimately nick it but it'll be interesting how these two teams do over the course of the season I think St. Louis is still more likely to maybe be the playoff team rather than the Kings. Yeah, and, and another thing to keep in mind, the Kings did lose Jeff Carter too for you know just recently, and so I think that they've they've proven resilient, and maybe it's just resilient to the critics, I guess, the ones that are after you now for being down on them. But I, I do think um, you know when you look at the Pacific, if the Oilers, it's hard to believe they're not going to turn it around at some point. Yeah. But if the Oilers do stay at the bottom there. You know, the Sharks don't necessarily scare you. You know, the Canucks, I'm not sure they're going to last that long. Vegas, it's debatable whether they're going to, you know, be atop the league towards the end of the season. So I think the Kings, you know, out of the Pacific, there's a decent chance they can, you know, work their way toward a playoff spot. But uh, I think both of us would agree St. Louis still has the, the better shot overall. Absolutely. But that just about wraps up tonight's episode. I'd like to thank Cody for joining me as always on the Balls, Bats and Putts podcast. You can find all the links for Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, etc. in the notes for the episode. And where can they find all the wonderful work you're doing, Cody? Yeah, you just go on cbssports.com slash NHL and we have uh, these power rankings every Monday and then obviously coverage throughout the week and throughout the season. Absolutely, and, and I do advise everyone to check check those out because, like anyone else, Cody puts his neck on the line over these power rankings. I put my neck on the line over any of the analyses that I do. But you know, there's some great stuff that Cody's putting out there, and I'm, we will catch up with Cody as the season progresses in the NHL. So it's a great season ahead. But for now, I've been your host, Stephen Edwards. You can find me on Twitter at TalkSportStephen. You can find the podcast at Balls Bats Pucks. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app. I've also launched a brand new NWHL podcast called Women's Hockey Digest. You can find that at WHDIGEST. And I have a brand new NBA show at Sportshead TV as well. All the details regarding tonight's episode will be in the episode notes. But until next time, it's a good night from me.